The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Am I supposed to be starting this now because Eric was in the middle of saying something and I'm still not sure what the hell is going on. Am I, are we on? Yes, Welcome. we're on. So we are on. Okay, good evening, everybody. <laughs> Why would this episode be any different than the rest of them? Welcome because this is how work. we do things here on the kickoff. We're ending the year on a high note. Come on now. <laughs> no, we're ending the year on a weird high note by the, <laughs> by the sounds of things. Some um, of us that's more hey, applicable to than others, Eric. I mean, if that's the way we're going, I got the material like 10 feet away from me. I'm staring at it right now. I mean, You come say on. the word. Family come on. <laughs> come on, haven't we all been high for the whole entire 2018 season? This has, been a, this has been a very immaculate season that we've both all been extremely high on our expectations. And, and failed miserably at them. In our performances. <laughs> yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, who am I kidding? And welcome to the kickoff here on the W2M Network. I am your host. My name is Harry Broaders. This is your 2018-January 2019, technically Year-end award special edition for the kickoff. This will be our season finale. As I mentioned, I am your host. I am Harry Broadhurst. Joining me, as per usual, the Down Since Day One co-host turned executive producer, Brandon Biscabing. Gentlemen is a very loose term with the people that are associated with this show. We, we may not be gentle, but we're definitely men. <laughs> Some more than others. You do not know my active pronoun. Am I assuming your gentleman mentality? <clears throat> How dare I? I identify, I identify as a 14-year-old Olympic gymnast. <laughs> so many USA Gymnastics jokes there. So little time family shows. Speaking of family shows, the <laughs> executive producer turned co-host Eric Watkins. See, I was going to mention the lead-up that I've been getting to potential Sunday shenanigans, but now I got my whole bucket list thing. Me, the Olympic Village, and a comparison. Gymnasts versus figure skaters. I feel like I feel like gymnasts versus trampoline artists would be a better comparison. Yeah. Well, they're all gym- I, I don't know. I'm just going to say is that UCLA gymnast. Ten. Ten. Fucking ten. Hey, Eric, have you ever seen Club Dread? Yes, I have. You are a gymnast? Yes. Oh, gracias. (laughs) Although I do, I will say as far as with rhythmic rhythmic team gymnastics, I mean, yeah, twins are one one thing, but quintuplets, that's Mount Everest right there. And the chairman of the W2M network, Jason Peasley. All I'm going to say is, why do you think ladies are listening to this? So why greet them? That's the reason I said, let's be honest, gentlemen. Oh, I thought you were just saying that, you know, gentlemen was a stretch to call us three. Which is <laughs> well, also it's definitely a stretch to yeah. call us three. 
This, this has gone completely off the rails in a grand total of four minutes. Yeah, we're we're off the rails. Hey, uh, it's the last episode of the year. We can get away with it. True. It stays stays with tradition. Last <laughs> year, just remember how last year's end of the <laughs> end of the year show oh, ended. God, what are they going to do? Tell us we can't do a show next week. We don't have one point. Yeah, I don't think we can go any lower than what Jason pulled out last year. Let's well, not. Technically, <laughs> if you want me to get into some of my stories, oh, we really <laughs> What are they? Go- What's he going to do? Make us go wash dishes at Buffalo Wild Wings? <laughs> Apologies to all of our listeners using headphones. <laughs> all right. So, as I mentioned, this is the 2018 Year End Award Special Edition of the Kickoff to close up the season for us here. We will be back in April with our draft preview and review as per last year. However, the one thing that we are going to announce right now is that we are going to bring back the special edition of the kickoff that we did last year. We're going to call it the tip-off as we cover the NCAA March Madness tournament, both Selection Sunday and our predict- with our predictions for the upsets okay. in the first round. And, 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 can, I a, can I make a suggestion on the name? Go for it. Can we call it just the tip-off? God damn it. Okay, can, we, can I also give a little bit of a fair warning? Do you know when Selection Sunday is this year? Uh, it's on Sunday. <laughs> Thank you very much, Captain Obvious. You're now, welcome. Now look, before I ask you about any deals I can get at Hotels.com, it's a specific Sunday, a very specific Sunday. Is it Easter Sunday? No, March 17th. Patrick's Day. Oh, crack. So, yeah, um, don't expect me to be sober. Oh, no, yeah, no, not me either. Yeah. Me, I will, I will follow, follow suit into that, and I will be also inebriated. Speaking as I am Irish. Same, I, I'm second generation American, so yeah. We will probably end up doing the same thing we did last year and recording it on Monday or Tuesday before the games start or before the games that matter start. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. So everybody everybody join us for just the tip off. <laughs> um let me just put fair warning because um they they they've done well tonight so far. But it, if if they start doing well and they're close to a bubble spot, and they get screwed out of a uh, out of a buy or out of a bid, be prepared for a rant. And I think you all know who I'm talking about. It would be at this point that I would say, "What else is new?" What are you talking about? At this point, I know my team is nowhere near getting in because. How are we able to compete with six players? So it'll make it easy for me to just get drunk and have no expectations. See, my team apparently, according to the um, the bubble watch today, it said that they're on the bubble still, which I'm I'm honestly shocked at because they're under 500 in the Big East right now. But um, I digress. Off. The goddamn rails. <laughs> well, no, we're never on the rails, Harry. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, come on. 
<laughs> this episode has been All right, let's, let's let's steer this back into into normalcy. Let's talk yeah, about let's, some football. Yeah, we'll we'll preview a little bit more as to what to expect for the March Madness and the draft editions a little bit later on in the show. For now, we have awards to get to. We are going to talk college first, where we will give our best player. Not necessarily your Heisman player, but the best player overall that you, you think had the most impact in the college football season. Your college football coach, your biggest news story, your biggest surprise, and your biggest disappointment. This is basically what we did for our midway review show, with the exception of news story. I'm adding that in now because now that we have the year in totality, we can kind of discuss everything that happened. Did you just say fatality? I said totality, although fatality would be awesome with the new Mortal Kombat game coming out. And did you see uh did you see uh Cabal's fatality for that? Holy shit. And Ronda yes. Rousey is doing the voice for uh, Oh wait, no. Is that Mortal Kombat or is that um Yes, yes okay. it's Mortal Kombat. And John Cena is going to be announced as doing Striker. Oh god. Which actually is kind of a good fit. I actually like the well, that's ironic because I never play with him, so I won't see him. Nope. <laughs> well done. Well, but when you face it, you face him. You I'm, face, you know. I'm just saying, all of you would hate me if if you played me in Mortal Kombat because I play with Sub Zero, and I think you all know what I do. Oh my God! I am also a Sub Zero player. Do you I'm also, also do the uh, freeze thing where, like, as soon as they attack you, you freeze them? Yes. <laughs> We're dead. You're really doing Sub-Zero wrong, if you think about it. Are you referring to spam throwing ice balls, Brandon? No, not spam well. throwing ice balls. I'm spam throwing the where he freezes himself up, and then if they attack you, you freeze them and oh, attack them. No, I... I do it the other way. I, I tend to go on the offensive with my ice throw. Okay, we are once again completely <laughs> off track. This has just been a complete off-the-rails show. This week on W2M Gaming to the Max. <laughs> we're, we're, we're stepping on Sean's... Uh, we're, we're stepping into Sean's territory now. A more entertaining, a more entertaining discussion with better hosts. <laughs> Boldly going with two other shows on this network are already going later on in the season. Speaking of which, I, I'm just going to point this out. Out of every show in January, um, well, January up till today, there was 36 shows posted. Kickoff was seven of them. Because we didn't miss a week. Mm-hmm. And the, other, the other ones was from from another another website. Not, not entirely. There were a few others. I, I've been tasked to get back into that again. I would assume that the vast majority of the content is either coming through us or the Rattledge Broadcasting Network. Mm-hmm. That is percent. That was 90%. Alright, let's go ahead and get back into it here. Let's start with our college awards here. and Let's start with our most valuable player. Eric, I'll start with you. Personally, Simply because of what he did throughout the season, and more importantly, how the team nearly collapsed without him, I've got to go with Trevor Lawrence. I mean... You son of a bitch. Look, I'm sorry for everything he did 
the game where he was hurt and how Clemson played against Syracuse and, oh, by the way, torching Alabama and already being courted by a football league that hasn't even started yet. Yeah, I, I think I've got myself some valid reasons. Um, the reason I say you son of a bitch is because my player for most valuable player here, even though I did not give him this honor at the midway point, is Trevor Lawrence, quarterback Clemson. It is um, I hate both of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we're all in agreement on, the, on this one. It is scary what he did as a freshman there. And the more, the even scarier part of this for college teams, specifically those in the ACC that have to go up against Clemson, is oh. the fact that you have is the fact that you have at least four years of dealing with this with him in him in South Carolina at Clemson University. I don't think so. If Vince McMahon has his way, I don't think that Trevor's going to leave for the XFL with the kind of money that he's going to make in the NFL if he doesn't get hurt. No. Twenty twenty one number number one overall pick. Yeah, really. No kidding. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding? 2021, hell, you've got, you had executives said, can he come out now? He'll be the number one overall pick. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, that's when he becomes actually eligible. I we'll, know. Talk about, uh, we'll talk about overall number one picks and quarterback draft when we do our draft special later on the year. Jason, what is your reasoning for picking Trevor Lawrence here? <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> just what he accomplished at such a young age, the poise that he has, his movie career, and um, the way that, you know, he was able to command the screen, being on the screen with Denzel Washington back in the day. And, um, I mean, seriously, in all honesty, the kid is phenomenal. He has the composure of a very seasoned quarterback, the arm strength of someone we haven't seen in quite some time. And, I mean, I just think he has all the all the gifts that you want in a quarterback leading your football team. And he does yoga on, on the quad. Brandon, you're reasoning for picking Trevor Lawrence. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he not even start the season? You're correct. I thought he started. I thought he st- Not early on. It was Kelly Bryant. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. and they went to Trevor Lawrence, and then Trevor Lawrence was like, yeah, uh, I'm the QB now. Yeah, Goodbye. so... He didn't even start the season. This was Bryant's team to start off the season. And a Kelly, wait, real quick here, a Kelly Bryant that had a national title and ex- a runner-up. Ex- exactly, exactly. Yep. So this was a team that you were thinking, oh, this is definitely Kelly Bryant's team. And I forget exactly. Didn't Bryant get injured a little bit? Uh. Not necessarily injured, just kind of wow. forming a little bit. Mm-hmm. So they decide to go to Lawrence, who is a true freshman, and he just absolutely takes the reins and dominates. Not just dominates the ACC, which, albeit was a very weak ACC, Eric can attest to that. 
Um, yeah, again, don't mind. <laughs> but he dominates the almighty Alabama, giving Clemson two years in a row where they are at the top of the heap. Uh, second and three, Alabama actually won the title last year, beating Georgia in the you're championship right. game. Oh, you're right. You're right. But still, this um, he he is definitely he has definitely proven himself this year. Yeah, the thing about Trevor Lawrence is the fact that everybody had this as Kelly Bryant's team once the mm-hmm. season started, and it was coming God. it was coming in in mop up duty that Kelly Bryant was outplayed by Trevor Lawrence that he made the decision for Dabo Sweeney to give Lawrence a start in the second game of the season and Lawrence never looked back outside of five. the injury effort he wasn't named the starter till week 5 mhm yeah they, he was playing in mop up duty more or less for the vast majority of the game that is ridiculous he yeah. started 11 games he had a 65% completion rate for 3,280 yards, 30 touchdowns, four interceptions, with a QB rating of 157 on the year. And, and, and to think, it, it got to the point to now, Kelly Bryant's on a team that isn't even going to a bowl game. This is this is how Trevor Lawrence just does. <laughs> Where did Kelly Bryant land? Arkansas? Missouri. Mm. Oh, so he's taking over for Drew Locke. Yep, and they're on a postseason ban because uh, apparently there's sanctions and stuff coming. Mm. Uh, which which tells me that might be code that Kelly Bryant ain't going to stay at Missouri. <laughs> well, what year is Bryant? Bryant would technically be a graduate senior, I believe. Yeah, so he couldn't transfer again. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, that, well, that's some SLL shit right there, isn't it? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> he, he's basically just playing to try to get into the draft at this point. Well, it's definitely a NFL draft system, though, because Locke is considered to be, by many, almost a guaranteed top 10 pick. So one would think that with the coaches that Drew Locke had coaching Kelly Bryant, he would probably be able to increase his performance off of what happened with Trevor Lawrence taking over for him at Clemson last year. That's true, but but kind of getting off topic for a second though. But like, would you think that that you know Lawrence coming in after it seemed like this was Bryant's team and basically usurping him does that hurt his draft stock at all? No matter what he does at Missouri, uh, I don't think so. And the reason I say that is because while while Bryant is leaving an elite program in Clemson, he'll have the opportunity to put up numbers in an elite in an elite conference like the SEC with Missouri. True. And okay, if he's able- but you're you're in an elite conference, but there's only so many numbers you can put up for a bottom dwelling team. True. Because let's face it, Missouri but has not been setting the world alight in the SEC East. But here's the thing about that, though, is he'll have the opportunity to play at least two top preseason top 10 teams next year, and those performances, those performances could go a long way to determine his draft positioning because both Florida and Georgia will probably be in the top 10. Not, to not if his receivers are shitting the bed and uh, forcing interceptions. 
Well, I didn't say it was anything up to his uh, position players. Well, I'm just referring to Bryant himself. He'll have the opportunity to put up the numbers if he can find the people to put up the numbers with. And he'll, and have, these, he'll have the strength of schedule to impress the NFL scouts at Missouri by playing against, like I said, two preseason top 10 teams in Florida and Georgia. That's fair. That's fair. All right, let's move on to your coach of the year in college football this year. Jason, I'll start with you here. Um, well, everybody knows where I'm going to go with this. Do you know where I'm going to go with this, Harry? I you have a feeling. Better not picking Dana Holgerson because there's no reason for no, you to. fuck that motherfucker. I'm going Neil Brown, the face of WVU as of now. The former Troy coach. Yes. Uh, if I'm not you said I could. You said I couldn't take Dana. So Dana was not for anyway. So I'm taking Neil Brown. You you wouldn't want Dana anyway since he left you guys high and dry for Houston. Fuck, fuck that Bobcat Goldwith motherfucker. How are you going to insult Bobcat Goldwith like that? Come yeah. on, I mean, he, yeah. he made, What did I ever he, do to you? He, he made his name a police academy. Then come to W. No, I can't. I I, I like Dana honestly. I. I he, he left us better than Rich Rod did. I mean, he did have at least a little bit more respect. Uh, I appreciate what Dana done while he was at WVU, even though he did underachieve a lot. But I wish him the best at Houston. And I, from everything I'm seeing, that what Neil Brown has done since getting to WVU and read up on him, because I was very unfamiliar with him at Troy. So when his name came up in the coaching rumors, I started doing some research. The guy is a phenomenal recruiter. He's a very personable guy. I like him. And I'm going to go on based on what he did at Troy and name him my coach of the year just because he's now a Mountaineer. There's a high level of Homer involved here. <laughs> yeah. Why what? would anything change in this company? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Can you dispute him? Can you dispute him being a coach of the year? Let's see. Yes. Um, for what he accomplished at Troy, yes, yeah, because he didn't win the conference. He 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 did jack and shit, and and Jack left town. Um, he was a over, of fact, overall a ten, of fact, ten and three. Yeah. That was ten, ten and three, three seven. I'm seven and one in the conference. Yeah, but at the same time, that seven and one in the conference, that one loss was to the team that did win the Sun Belt, Appalachian State. <laughs> mm-hmm. He tied. He tied. He tied for first in the East. Only lost out because of a tiebreaker. Wins his bowl game. Has never, never lost a bowl game. I'm not sitting here and saying that it's a bad hire for West Virginia because it's not. A lot of these Sun Belt coaches have a fire lit up under their asses once they get the opportunity to coach at these big schools. That being said, there are much better choices for Coach of the Year, in my opinion. But mm-hmm. this is a personal opinion thing, so you're entitled to your homerism. <laughs> Eric? Well, it's a bowl game, something West Virginia's not done, not once since they destroyed Clemson. Well, in fairness, though, that game against Syracuse, you guys basically phoned it in with Will Greer and knowing that Holgerson was basically gone. Eric, who's your Coach of the Year in college football? Josh Heupel. Now, considering, yes, he took a very talented UCF team 
and kept that train going for the most part. How he was able to rally the team together after Mackenzie Milton's unfortunate, tragic injury still get them to repeat as conference champions, keep one of the longest undefeated streaks in the country going until that bowl game and still be very competitive with LSU, that to me is a very, very worthy performance. Brandon? My coach of the year, in spite of what happened in the playoffs, it, it's got to go to Brian Kelly. I mean, no one anticipated Notre Dame being anywhere close to the playoff situation uh, at the beginning of the season, and they made it. I'm having a little bit of difficulty navigating the site. So I want to talk about a couple of people that I was going to talk about for my potential choices before I give you guys my actual coach of the year. There is somebody who did a lot with a lot with a little expected of him, and therefore I'm going to give him the honor of my college coach of the year. First, I'm going to second Brian Kelly, who was my midseason coach of the year at Notre Dame. The expectations at Notre Dame year in and year out are astronomical. If you don't have a winning season, you're as good as fired in South mm-hmm. Bend. And even if you do have a winning season, if it's one of those seven and five, eight and four winning seasons, you might still be fired in South Bend. I'm going to second Eric's pick as well of Josh Heupel at Central Florida, taking over for Scott Frost and leading UCF back to once again another undefeated regular season, even though Cinderella's clock struck midnight against LSU in the bowl game without their star player, Mackenzie Milton. I'm also going to go a little bit of Homer myself here and give an honorable mention to Dan Mullen, who is once again, who is once again turning around the culture in Gainesville and allowing us the opportunity to restore the Gator order and bring back to prominence the Florida football team. Eric, I need you to give me one quick second, so I need you to discuss what you thought of the turnaround for, for Mullen real quick here while I find the information that I need to find. Well, I knew Mullen was going to be very, very capable with what he had done as like his previous schools. And as much as it pained me because I'm surrounded by Florida fans, including, all right, well, since you're not going to do a family show, I'm going to skip the rest of that sentence. But I, I figured that, yes, this was going to be a very formidable, but to have this set up this quickly with what Florida's done, not just the cocktail party, but the SEC in showing that they, alongside Georgia, could be, well, really are the two powers that could challenge Alabama in the SEC on a regular basis until Saban retires, I have to hand it to them because, yeah, even though it makes my life just a teeny bit personally miserable, it's more than respectable with what he's done. More than respectable. All right, so I finally found the name that I was looking for here. And the reason I didn't know the name is because he came from a Mac school to lead the school that he did. Eric, two teams in the ACC finished in the top 15 this year. One of them was Clemson. Can you name the other? I have to think for a minute. God, we had such a crap year. Uh, Was it Syracuse? It was Syracuse. Dino Babers led the Orange to a 10-3 record and almost defeating the team that won the national championship. Granted, they collapsed at the end stretch of that game. I remember watching it. And it was a Thursday night game 
in in the carrier dome where they probably should have won. That being said, though, this is a guy who came over from a Mac school in Bowling Green and has changed once again the culture of the program at Syracuse University. The the disappointments of the previous Syracuse tenure is behind them now. They went 6-2 and two in conference, the loss to Clemson, and I believe NC State got them as well. Yeah, I but forgot that they finished in the top 15. With a 10-3 and three overall record and a bowl game win, much though the game didn't matter for West Virginia, still a Camping World bowl game win to give them their first 10-win season in, God, it's got to have been at least a decade since Syracuse has won 10 games. I I got it, to have to <clears throat> maybe maybe back when Paul Pascaloni was still the coach. Paul Pascaloni maybe right around in that Donovan McNabb era. Yeah, at minimum, and that's a decade and a half. Yeah. <laughs> um, for bringing Syracuse back to prominence in the ACC, even though they didn't quite finish the job against Clemson in the game that would have put them on the map nationally, I'm going to give my head coach of the year in college football to Dino Babers. Screw Syracuse, that is all. It it makes the Atlantic that much more interesting, and they're more than a basketball and lacrosse school. Screw Syracuse. Quiet seat and hallmark. Anywho, let's go ahead. Well, it's not just for that. It's because they freaking denied me. Bastards. Yes, those bastards. Anywho, let's continue on. I'd say it all worked out for you. Uh, we're going to save new story for last. We'll switch. We'll go over to surprise. Brandon, what was the biggest surprise for you in college football this year? My biggest surprise. I mentioned it before with the coach. The biggest surprise got to be Notre Dame. The fact that they were able to come out of nowhere and and make it to the playoffs. Other than the fact that they played like Notre Dame in the playoffs. Well, yeah, yeah, but I mean, the fact that they made it and had an undefeated in a season in and of itself is still impressive, considering I don't think any one of us and no one, you know, was predicting them to be even, you know, in the top five. No, not at the beginning. Once exactly. they changed quarterbacks, I thought, yeah, they have something going here. Speaking of quarterbacks that are leaving, Brandon Wimbush transferred as well, did he not? I believe he did. I forgot where. <laughs> I, I know I remember reading that he transferred. I just don't specifically remember where he transferred to. Jason, what's your? who was your biggest surprise of the college football season this year? Uh, my, honestly, I mean, I want to go back to saying Trevor Lawrence. I mean, the kid came in. 19 years old, starting for a major college conference, week five, and he leads his team to the national championship over a highly touted Alabama team. Uh, I think somebody's texting right now, and if you are, we can hear the microphone clicking. That was me. I'm looking up something. Like I said, I'm doing it via my phone this week. Because just giving... oh, that, that's why the uh, buzzing is happening. Uh, I'm just giving everybody at home listening a heads up, letting them know what's going on. Uh, my biggest surprise of the year is actually the fact that Michigan went into Ohio State with an opportunity to make its case 
for the college football playoff and got absolutely blown the fuck out. Allowing 62 points to the Buckeyes, losing 62 to 32 in a game that they were never in. This has been the, the downfall of the Harbaugh era. It has been the games against Notre Dame, the games against Ohio State, the games that matter most for Michigan fans, and Harbaugh, I believe, is one in seven in those games. It well, not, I, 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 not, wouldn't... I was just going to say, Go it's ahead. not good enough. It's not good enough there. I'm honestly surprised that the uh, fan base up in Ann Arbor is not calling for his head much the same way they did John Cooper for something similar. Because I think his reputation is, you know. Yeah. His reputation and for everything that he did outside of those games. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're not competing for championships like they expected. But at the same time, he didn't pull a Brady Hoke and have a talented team and then crash them through the floor. Now, I wouldn't even say it's so much the games against Notre Dame, because remember, they stopped that rivalry for a good few years. But yes, the losses to that school down south and losing to Michigan State the way that they did, those are going to be the ones haunting him in the eyes of Big Blue. I think the big thing about him is, for one, his recruiting, while it has slowed down from where it was when he first took the job, his recruiting has been very good. And the other thing is that while, yes, he's lost the big games, they've still been ranked consistently. Plus, they gave him a pass up until this season because the biggest thing was he didn't have a quarterback. Mm-hmm. What was he able to do? Get a quarterback in Shea Patterson, getting him to transfer from Ole Miss. Did it work out perfectly? Absolutely not. But they're saying, okay, he's got the talent. And now he had limited excuses because he had a quarterback last year. But I think if the pattern continues to where he'll have no excuses whatsoever – have the quarterback, have the recruits, have the talent, have the easier schedule because certain foes are out of the way and he still doesn't get it done, then they'll really be calling for his head. The question next year for Big Blue Nation is going to be is can they get the job done in the big house against Ohio State to end the season? Their other concern, though, is going to have to be the fact that this time they go to Happy Valley. And a Penn State team coached by James Franklin that has always performed very well ever since Franklin took over as the coach. Eric, uh, also as a, as a side note to the Michigan thing, they basically collapsed down the stretch of the season, though, because the loss to Ohio State kept them out of the Big Ten championship game, and then they got bitch slapped by Florida in their bowl game. True. I, I said that game was not in the state of Florida. For some reason, whenever Florida and Michigan play a bowl game in the state of Florida, Michigan owns. Outside of the state of Florida, it's gator chomping all day. (laughs) Well, they did beat us in Texas in the season opener two years ago, though, at uh, Cowboys Stadium. But it's quickly for bowl games. Eric, what's your biggest surprise of the season? I'm actually going to head out west because... For all of the talk of the Pac-12, specifically the Pac-12 South, USC, UCLA, all of this, oh, they were going to dominate. 
Who wins the Pac-12 South? Utah. Granted, it was a total stinker in the Pac-12 championship game, but the fact that out of nowhere, really underrated, not touted whatsoever, what do they do? They go ahead, take care of business, and they got themselves a spot in Santa Clara. I really wish they had won, but, God, I need to erase that game from my mind. (laughs) <laughs> 10 to 3 everybody. The final score of that game was 10 to 3. In the Pac-12. <laughs> the only time they decided to play defense was the conference championship game. Oh yeah. All right, let's go over to the other side of things here. Let's talk about our biggest disappointment of the year. Jason? Um outside of the obvious homer pick, uh, West my Virginia biggest <laughs> Yeah, my my biggest disappointment was um, I want to say the Auburn Tigers. I mean, they had a lot of fanfare coming in, coming into the season. I mean, even somebody on this panel picked them to be a surprise national championship contender, and I had them just, winning the national title. Yeah, uh, and they just they stumbled out of the gate, and it was all downhill from there. So yeah, I'm gonna have to go outside of. You know, my my obvious West Virginia pick. Uh, I'm going to go with the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, since I was going to pick them anyway, I'll go ahead and go here as well. I'm also <laughs> going to pick the Auburn Tigers, who, if you guys go back and listen to the, the college football preview edition of this year's kickoff, you will hear me pick them as my national champion. In fairness, I also picked Penn State to win the Big Ten, so obviously I didn't do so well. But... Penn State had a better season than Auburn did. Auburn proceeded to go three and five in the SEC this year. Yeah, that's that's not good. That five losses in an SEC campaign isn't good if you're a basketball team, let alone if you're a football team. I'm say five games of thirteen and five in the SEC. That's a good season. It's not going to win the SEC most years, though. I think Kentucky won it last year at seventeen and one. Yeah, well, that's because you have the regular season champions that are determining that rather than the conference tournament winners. Who do you all think you are, the Ivy League? <laughs> eh. Anywho, back to the Auburn Tigers real quick, though. Uh, the five losses in the SEC, including losses to teams like Tennessee, who won two games in the conference. Are you freaking kidding me? Tennessee, who wasn't bowl eligible. Are you freaking kidding me? No, apparently they're not freaking kidding you. <laughs> Otherwise, they would have won. I just, I don't, I don't know where to begin with how disappointing this year was for me as an Auburn Tiger follower. He's right, I've you know. Made, I've, I've made no, I've made no secret about it on this show that my favorite team in college football was the Florida Gators. I actually do have an SEC West team, and it is the Auburn Tigers. So when they play each other, I'm still a Gator fan. But otherwise, I'm rooting for Auburn to do well. I thought that this was an Auburn team with Jarrett Stidham as a final year transfer, as a final year quarterback, with Gus Malzahn's offense that had an opportunity to do some big things in college football this year. And clearly, I was wrong. Eric, what's your biggest disappointment for the 2018 season? Well, since Jason decided not to go homer, I'm going to have to because I. I knew there was going to be a bit of a step back in Coral Gables. I understood that, given the way that last season ended. However, not getting the quarterback right, not being able to generate a damn thing on offense, 
nothing clicking, having it to rely strictly on the defense, which it took a little while for the turnover chain to show up. It was just miserable, miserable, miserable. But from what everything that I've seen and I've heard, Coach Diaz came back from Temple, came home. He's got really the mindset similar to Jimmy Johnson back in the day. So I have hope. But did I have to suffer through this much first? Yes. No. Um, I will see you a Mark Rick choke job in this season and raise you a Jim McElwain. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, Rick retired. He flat out said, you know what? I'm just done. I'm going to go home. So it's just like, really? Bro, huh? No. <laughs> I, I still think you guys are going to be in capable hands with Manny Diaz. We'll talk more about college football once it rolls back around. But I honestly think Diaz could do some good things in the ACC for Miami. As do I. Don't get me wrong. That leaves you, Brandon. What was your biggest disappointment in college football this year? Um, first off, I'll give an honorable mention to UCF. I I know that they had injuries. I know their star quarterback was injured. But why couldn't you have just pulled it out and helped, kept my hopes alive? Why? Why? Because they don't like you. <laughs> Shut up, Jason. <laughs> But my my full disappointment is, and and I'll I'll say, albeit it's a bit it's a bit of a homer pick, but not entirely because I I think a lot of people actually had legitimate legitimate hope for them, the Wisconsin Badgers. Don't legitimate hope for them, my ass. I know I did. I, I'm sure. Screw Bucky. No, no, no. False. False. I think we all had high hopes for Wisconsin in the preseason Exactly. Picks. See? See? Jason I... understand. Speak for your damn selves. Well, of I... course you didn't because you hate them because they're being you now twice in a row in a bowl yeah, game. Damn straight. <laughs> Russell Wilson was the best thing to happen last decade. And he, when he only got game went there from NC State, whole pack of Badgers, my black ass. <laughs> I'm just going to point out that I picked Iowa, not Wisconsin, to win the Big the Big Ten West. Um, Northwestern did, but I didn't pick Wisconsin. <laughs> Iowa and Wisconsin actually did end up with the same conference record, though, at 5-4. and four. Northwestern won it at 8-1. and one. So, my, my point exactly. Wisconsin, I had a lot of high hope for them. Jason had high hope for them. A lot of other people thought that they would at least win the Big Ten West. Um, and they completely crapped the bed this year. Much like Miami did. He, he, knows, he, he knows not what he does, Eric. He knows I... not what he does. I am calm. I have flouters and apple pie and two different kinds of Dairy Queen Blizzard in my refrigerator. You, you know what? You know what? I, I'm making something official right now just to give myself something to do next year. Um, just to piss off Eric and because I do actually legitimately have a reason to uh, choose them. I, I think for college, I'll, I'll use Wisconsin as my homer. Pour one out for the homers. We'll be returning next season, we think. Format to be discussed. 
Anywho, let's talk about the biggest news story in college football this year. Eric, what was it to you? Well, to me, it was a non-football school realizing that they had a football team, and it was like, hey, we're going to do a little bit of something this year. It's Northwestern, how do you go from 0-4, and, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, hey, it's a conference. We can carry even more now. And you're a little bit more than a stone's throw from away from winning the Big Ten. It, what, what are y'all doing? Why haven't you done this since, what, 1995? Where have you been the past 25 years? What is this? They're a journalism school. Yes, they are. Journalism school that finally remembered, oh, yeah, we have this thing and this field and this coach and these players who want to get paid. All right, we can do something with this now. Pin us, pay us. (laughs) We out. Brandon, biggest news story for college football this year. My biggest news story is something that what was based on the field to an extent, but is based on much more important things than um, than BS non-competitive college football. My my uh, my biggest story is the Kyler Murray saga, and not and everyone questioning: Is he going to play baseball? Is he going to play football? Is he going to win the Heisman because of him not being sure of where he's going? Um, you know, his whole story has definitely been the biggest story of the year. Jason? I'm actually going to go take a dark twist of turn with my biggest story. I'm going to say Mackenzie Milton's injury. Because uh, without him being injured, oh God, let's go ahead and get prepared for Brandon to go on a ramp. Somebody use his microphone. Mute his uh, microphone. Don't forget, I'm, I'm the producer. I, I mute my own mic, and I'm not muting my mic whatsoever right now. Without his injury happening, and, I mean, it's a gruesome injury. Uh, if you haven't seen it, I don't advise you to go back and see it. Look <laughs> no. at it. Hey, just no. take our word that it's bad. Um, It's almost as bad as the Alan Hearns. Um. I think without him getting injured, UCF makes a viable play to be in the Final Four and possibly nope, 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 make a better showing than what they did. I'll agree uh, with you on the latter part. So I think that's going to be the biggest story because them getting their win streak snapped due to uh, anybody could say what they want to, but without Milton. That win streak stays intact. Oh, absolutely. I'll, I'll now, agree granted, with you. Had they gotten into the Final Four, they would have been shellacked, but it would have given at least an extra level of legitimacy to those say, well, if you're not Power Five, you ain't horseshit. I'll well, agree with you made, on the first part. It would have made things a lot more interesting. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. what could have happened? is Georgia being Georgia matching up with them, which would have been an amazing game, I believe. I'll agree with you on the second part, but not well, on the first Bama part. Winning, with, with Bama winning the, uh, the SEC, if UCF 
Mexico's fully undefeated with all their pieces. If if uh, if UCF does get in, I think it's Notre Dame that sits out. You yeah, guys are so I, I damn delusional. Notre Dame out. I think if they would have, they would have had a, an argument to be in the Final Four. I think they would have still been shunned, which would have gave the matchup with Georgia and. I think that would have been a real interesting matchup and a, a one that I think UCF could have won. I, I can't believe you guys are so damn Well, delusional. I don't know if they could have beaten Georgia given what happened with LSU in Georgia. Eh, it, I, I think personally with Georgia and Georgia's offense, it was more doable. And keep in mind, that LSU game, that was only eight without you, Milton. You, you guys are so damn delusional. I'm 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 bad. Well, wow, I'm on your side. How but but you're saying side? you're thinking that they'd actually make it to the playoffs. Oh no, no I never said they would. I, I said th- they would have had a legitimate gripe to be in there. Yes, they would have, but there's no but legitimacy. But that's what I'm saying is that they would have gotten screwed over again if if he was still uh healthy. They would have gotten, they they gotten screwed over who again. Was, who was the Final Four? Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma. I think they would have got in over Oklahoma. No, no, no. I think I, they would. For, for all of you guys thinking, like you guys focusing on college football more than I do, I know how the system works way more than you guys do. Well, no, I think they would have had a legitimate gripe and would have got in over Oklahoma simply because of the win-loss record and how Oklahoma It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I wish I had a a money uh, sound effect right now because that's all it matters. That's all that matters to the voters. And I mean, Brandon is right. If anything, if we're looking at this realistically, Yes. yes, the committee would have put them at five. Mm-hmm. Right outside, of the and they board. would have then proceeded. Now that's where I do agree with you, Jason. That they would have completely destroyed whoever they faced in the other bowl that they were in, and further bursted the bubble of the committee. But if, but to think that they would have gotten in, it, like I, a couple of years and- ago. Well, even a couple of years ago, I knew it was a, a fallacy, but I I know that there is no chance that a group of five team will ever get in under the system. Um, Brandon? Yes? This one's for you, if it works. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Yep, That that's all you need to know. That's all they care about is money, okay, money, money. Okay, but here's money. the thing then. Here's the thing then. Then we need to see another mass exodus and a mass, um, a mass conference realignment in order to make these other schools matter again. But, oh, that's, the, but, but that's the issue, though, is that even under that auspice, the teams that they don't – that they choose to think – oh, they're not good enough or they're not profitable enough or what have you, are still going to get shunned. Now, now this, but this, I'm going to bring in a little bit of a wrinkle. And I mentioned this in another chat today. 
uh, if you have between all of this TV conference realignment, because the TV contract's running out, that window begins in 2023. That's between 2023 and 2026. By then, the XFL, if it survives that long, that is going to be an interesting situation because of the eligibility rules. So not only are all of these schools going to be vying for this TV money, who's to say that that isn't going to get massively shaken up if the XFL, not even the AF, but the XFL poaches their top college talent anyways? That is going to be a very interesting battle. That Yeah, um, that that's definitely going to be interesting. Um, but, I mean... I look at it, I mean, look at it even on the side of the the other sport that, you know, used to have more legitimacy. Even college basketball is being corrupted by it because, as we've seen over the last couple of years, teams with bigger names are getting into the tournament over teams who are over teams who may be more deserving. And okay, you know but what's also it, happening with college basketball, and I'll say this real quick, the same thing we could be talking with the XFL, the true. G League yeah. expanding, paying players, so they're approaching that talent. True. Something has got to be done. True. I'm Very going true. to I'm going to partially agree with you in terms of college, but also disagree because as of right now, the two leading candidates on the bubble in the NCAA are both mid-majors, so you can't really make that argument. Well, I'm not talking about this year. I'm talking about in years past, like with what happened to uh, Monmouth. Monmouth got screwed. Exactly. I will be the first person to say that. Monmouth got screwed. All right, let's 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 move on here. Uh, the last thing that I have is my, my uh, biggest news story here. And you know what? I'm going to go with my biggest news story, and uh, Jason's going to hate me for this, and I apologize in advance. I'm going to go with the Red River rivalry double showdown. Uh, both the the game at the Texas State Fair that we got originally, and then the Big 12 championship game there. To me, that's that's a very strong status symbol that both of these programs are back to the areas of national prominence that I think the Big 12 needs them to be in order to remain relevant in the national college football scene. You'll notice after a couple of years of getting screwed out of having a team in the college football playoff, Oklahoma got its team into the college football playoff as the number four seed based on the fact that they avenged their only loss to Texas in the Red River by doing so in a nationally televised format on a Saturday night in primetime on Fox. And this is going to lead to what the Big 12 is going to do as far as that realignment and expansion. Who are they going to get? Because you know they're going to find a way to get back to 12 teams just because of this. While their stock is going up, they're gonna bring those schools into the fold, and the only there's only there, there's two teams that'll make sense. Any other two are, will not make sense. The two teams that we've discussed making sense on the sh- on the show before are Houston and SMU. Yep, precisely. That so, being that being said, I think Boise State is the way to strike here. See, this is why, I, and and I think Eric would agree with me on this. I wish the NCAA would step in because because it, uh, I mean no. I know it's been happening for a while now. It's been happening since 2012, but the conferences do not make sense on a geographic level anymore. Yeah, it goes back even further than well, that. Well, no, I know that, but 
shakeup in like 05. Uh, oh, oh, no, I agree with that, but at least some of those made sense. Yeah, I do agree with you, Brandon. If the NCAA, if Mark Emmert and the people, the people on top of the hill in Indianapolis really want to assert their power like they claim they do and like they claim they have, the time would be now mm-hmm. and the time would be within this next decade. Because if they don't, then they're never really going to be seen as much of a legitimate organization again. No. Well, on the level of football, they're not really seen as a legitimate organization anyway. No, they're they're not. But I mean, if they're doing this and with everything that's going on for your two cash cow sports, football and men's basketball, if they don't assert some control now while they still can... Anything and everything is going to be gone because we'll be sitting here or wherever 10 years from now, the landscape is going to be so radically different, it might not be recognizable. Mm-hmm. All right, we need to move on because we do have the NFL still to get to. Uh, thus, wrapping up our 2018 conversation on college football, we will be back with our college football preview once again come August of this year. We will talk more about that in the weeks and months to come. And to put on a teeny bit of a bow on things, Wimbush transferred to UCF. To take over for Milton. Okay. Because McKenzie's probably not coming back from that knee injury, unfortunate as it may be. Mm-hmm. Nope. Ew, that was disgusting. I, I second what Jason said here. If you haven't seen it, don't. You don't want to. Yeah. All right, since I know where this is going to start, I'm going to go ahead and start with Brandon here. Let's switch over to the National Football League, Brandon. Yes. <laughs> go ahead. Who's your MVP? Eric, shall we? I believe we <laughs> shall. Uh, I, I'm looking at my clock, though. I, I, I can't quite read it. I think it's broken. Brandon, what time is it? I believe it's Mahomes time. I believe it is, too. How yeah. about that? <laughs> Yeah, the the this voters portion, definitely got it right this year. Mahomes. This portion, of, this portion of the kickoff brought to you by MMA to the Max, available <laughs> here on the W2M Network. Continue, Brandon. You're, you're welcome, Robert Taylor. Yeah, the, the voters definitely got it right this year. Um, Mahomes, even though they lost in the championship game, he had an outstanding season. And without Mahomes, they wouldn't, especially after what happened with Kareem Hunt, without Mahomes, they would have been nowhere near the championship game this season. Eric, pile on. You can count on one hand the number of NFL quarterbacks who have thrown for 5,000 yards and mm-hmm. 50 touchdowns in a single season. One hand. Fingers. Exactly, and that's even with all of how quarterbacks are being protected, all of the rules being tailored to offense, especially wide receivers, running backs, the whole lot. And it's still extra difficult, and for only a second-year quarterback to do it, one of the youngest ever, again, I can't fault the voters. They got it right this time. Mm -hmm. Jason? Oh, God. Do I even want to discuss this? 
Um, I can't do it. I, I'll puke in my mouth. I just, I just can't do it. Which I think uh, I, for him agreeing with you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'll say this: fuck Robert Taylor. There you go. I would, I would. Now hold on, hold on. We need to make this very clear. I was wrong. I doubted Mahomes' ability from seeing him in the Big Twelve. I thought he was going to be a bust. I stand corrected, and I will go on record to apologize to Robert Taylor for being wrong and doubting Mahomes. Okay, so you guys mentioned that Patrick Mahomes did not make the championship game. My MVP should have made the championship game. I'm going to Mm -hmm. pick the same person I picked at the midway point of the season. I'm staying with Drew Brees. Brees, being the second oldest quarterback in the NFL, had arguably one of the best seasons of his career, led the Saints to the best record in the NFC, and a bad flagrantly blown non-pass interference call kept the Saints from playing the Patriots for this in the season. <laughs> yes, dog, I agree. My thoughts exactly. Yeah, that blown call was part of the reason, but you have to admit, going from the Cowboys Thursday night game onward, that Drew Brees, he was not the same. It looked to me like how they had to change that offense because his arm was just a little bit tired and things were a little bit off. I'm not going to disagree with the fact that he's starting to wear down. He's a 40-year-old quarterback in the national – almost 40. I think he just turned 40, actually. No, actually, I think he's older than 40 because he's 40 and he's a man. Thanks, Mike Gundy. Uh, next time, warn me, and I'll cue that sound clip up on YouTube. Anyway, you know, anytime, anytime you say something's forty, I'm gonna, I'm gonna respond with that. Very well, uh, I, I will keep that in mind for next season. Uh, but back to what I was saying about Breeze here, I will agree with you to an extent, but I will also say that say that for the vast majority of the season, that Mahomes had more explosive weapons than Breeze did. No, that's also true. I can see that point. I mean, Tyreek Hill and Michael Thomas, you can kind of call a wash. But with Mahomes having Sammy Watkins and who was the other receiver that they got midway through the season? I'm drawing a blank right now. There was another marquee wide receiver they got like midway through the season. Um, Oh, God, why am I drawing a blank? For the Saints? Was it? No, the the Chiefs. Chiefs. It was Tyreek Hill, I know that much. Kelvin Benjamin. Oh, Kelvin Benjamin, you're right. I I thought it was Kelvin Benjamin. (laughs) Kelvin Benjamin, yeah. And then he said said elite receivers, right? (laughs) He didn't play like one one in Buffalo. He did in Carolina, though. But that's beside the point. Back to what I was saying here. Between having Watkins, Kelsey, and Benjamin on to throw to as compared to the no names that Breeze had out as his other wide receivers, uh, Chris, uh, Kirkwood. Uh, I don't even remember most of these guys' names. That's how irrelevant most of them were. Jen, Jen, Kirkwood. And they couldn't and then, get uh, Des Bryant. He got there and he was hurt. 
They had Brandon Marshall for a couple of seconds, and then they released him. Marshall didn't fit in with their system. Des Bryant tore his ACL. I would argue that Mahomes had better weapons this year than Breeze did as well, and that helped contribute to his numbers. If you give Breeze a number two receiver in order to free up Michael Thomas more, much the same way that Tyreek Hill was able to get open more because he had other receivers to help him, such as Travis Kelsey, such as Sammy Watkins, I think you see way even more higher, even more bigger numbers from Breeze. But you also have to think about it on this level, at least for the latter part of the season. You know, Drew, Drew Brees had a running game throughout the whole entire season, which took some pressure off of both of himself and the wide receivers. Whereas for the latter part of the season, Mahomes did not yeah, have any running game. Strongly yeah, disagree. I'm a, very funny, Jason. I'm going to strongly disagree with that because I don't think they missed a step in Kareem Hunt's absence with Damian Williams. He did, and Spencer, and Spencer Ware before Spencer got hurt. He definitely did step in properly, but I don't think he was as much of a threat to defenses as Hunt was. Maybe not as much of a game plan threat, but he definitely performed at the level that Hunt was performing up to. Yeah. All right, let's talk about our coach of the year, Eric. I'll start with you here. Oh, see. No, it was only a little bit of a step up from. No, you know what? No, I, 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 I'm gonna because I was originally gonna say Sean McVay, but then I realized right state, wrong team because even though they had their top quarterback hurt, thanks to him making a stupid play and running out of bounds. He got quite a bit of talent from who he had. And to create and bless us all with big dick Nick Mullins, I've got to give Shanahan quite a bit of credit because, yeah, while they kind of fell off the map, in some cases significantly fell off the map, it could have been a lot worse than really what it was in San Francisco. Yeah, this isn't a team that should have won six games, probably. No. Oh. With everything that went wrong for them out in the uh, out in the Sunshine State down there, or not the Sunshine State, out in the Golden State, excuse me. Um, uh, San Francisco probably shouldn't have won six games, and they are looking at having a massive turnaround next year with Garoppolo being healthy and possibly getting Antonio Brown in free agency. They'll make the Raiders the fifth best team in San Francisco. Jason, who you got? Who's your coach of the year? I, I'm going to take I want to take low hanging fruit and give it to Belichick. I mean, the dynasty lives on. As much as people hate the Patriots and hate Belichick, him and Brady have something special. Six rings. <clears throat> I mean, everybody are written them off all season and closing out the Super Bowl. That, so we're yet another trophy. That's not even low-hanging fruit. That's going to the damn grocery store. I'm going to give my cook. Go ahead and continue, Jason, if you have to I mean, that. How, how can you dispute that? I mean, how many of us, uh, just let's just talk about this panel. Out of us four, how many of us had written off the Patriots and, and said the dynasty was over? I didn't. 
I neither said they did. were in, I said they were in trouble after the Tennessee game, but I didn't think they were done. Yeah, and even after the like this is what they do. <laughs> None of us thought that they would even be in the AFC title game. Mm, I I would never bet against Brady in a playoff game. Yeah, I know. I was a bit skeptical, and I said, if they got the first round by, which they did, they would be fine. <laughs> I apologize. I'm sucking on a couple of cough drops right now. I'm having some issues with the sore throat. So it's He's sucking on the penis right now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, you took my show. I didn't want to do it. <laughs> At least I'm not getting beaten by 60, Jason. Anyway. <laughs> hey, I, I never suited up. <laughs> you probably should have. Anyway. I tried. Uh, I'm going to give my coach of the year to the same person I gave my midway po- coach of the year to. The Matt Nagy in the turnaround job that he did in Chicago this year, taking the Bears to the NFC North Championship. Uh, this is a Bears team definitely on the rise. Their they defense were. was their their defense was dominating at points this year, and they were a double doink away from a significant playoff run. <laughs> I th- I feel like when it comes to Chicago, as much as we may knock Trubisky on this show, you give Trubisky another weapon out wide, you give him another receiving weapon, somebody that can line up that takes all the pressure off of a Jordan Howard. I think the Bears could be very dangerous next year. Their primary focus to me has to be shoring up that offensive line to make sure that they can keep Trubisky healthy and getting Trubisky another weapon in the offseason. Yeah, yeah, but Miller still, looked, he's got to Miller could be a weapon. He came on late in the season. Wait, try that again? You cut I out. Said I said Anthony Miller came on late in the season. He could be a big weapon in Chicago. And Miller's all well and good, but I think you're going to need two good wide receivers, and I don't think that they have two good wide receivers right now. Miller and uh, Allen Robinson? Yeah. Yeah. Again, Trubisky's got to actually do better in throwing to them. Because he was a little bit better and more comfortable when he was running around a bit. You know what I think they need is they need a good tight end to give them a check down option. What? I thought their tight end was Burton. Yeah, they had Trey Burton. Trubisky finished 16th in the league in quarterback rating. I think that has to improve if Chicago's going to get better. Oh, definitely. Um, I will also say that, because if I'm not mistaken, he's by far the lowest of the playoff quarterbacks in quarterback rating for the year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the only one close to him is Prescott at 14. I believe that there's opportunity in Chicago for them to be able to do more with this, but it's not the defense that needs help, and it's definitely not the coaching staff. They have to shore up that offense. But for the job that Matt Nagy did putting this team together, as well as being able to wriggle the way that the front office was in order to get Khalil Mack to be that centerpiece of the defense, I'm going to give my NFL coach of the year to Matt Nagy of the Chicago Bears. I think, I think the voters did get this one right. 
If the Bears will be taking many more trips to Club Dub under Matt Nagy's tenure. Brandon, you're up next. What, who's your coach of the year? My coach of the year, I'm sticking with who I said at the midpoint, it's got to be Andy Reid. Not only did he help this team and lead this team to a very good record in the regular season, and not only that, he led them through the tribulation that was the whole Kareem Hunt situation and kept this team focused on football during that trying time. He also stopped his curse of being poor in the pl- in the playoffs, and he got them very close to making the Super Bowl this year. And okay, I think pro- I think he is one piece away from being a legitimate I mean they're a legitimate threat as is, but I think they're one piece away from getting it. Um Trey Burton is the tight end in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Can confirm. Um, Anthony Miller is actually the second string wide receiver in Chicago behind Taylor Gabriel, the former Cleveland Brown. That being said, Miller did show up more in the postseason. Um, as far as your Andy Reid pick there, Brandon, I'm going to disagree with you. I think Andy Reid was basically Andy Reid in the postseason this year, losing a critical home game at the most inopportune time. True. I'll give you that, but, you know, I don't think it was all on him. Early on, I do think it was. And he did break the curse of Kansas City losing at home in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. That's finally broken. But there was no way. Had they were not down, what was it, at some point, like 31 to 10 in that AFC championship game and then having to rally back and tie and the whole thing that was overtime. Yeah, they should not have been in that position to begin with. Jason, you were about to say something. Go ahead. No, I wasn't going to say that. I'm good. All right. Let's talk about comeback of the year then. Um, We'll start with Brandon here. My comeback of the year, the voters got it right. I think we're all probably in agreement on this one. It's got to be Andrew Luck. I mean, he he went from being, you know, out for two straight seasons to leading the Colts to the playoffs. And a lot of people were thinking, oh, he's not going to be as good as he was coming back from the injury. He's going to be a kill of himself. <laughs> It, yeah. Yet who on here had enough faith in him to say that Indy would potentially win the division this year? Yes, oh, well, well done, know. Eric. It was to worry. Um, yeah, but didn't Houston actually win the division this exactly. year? Houston actually won it, and I concede that, but Eric... I remember catching a lot of shit because you were thinking, oh, he's not going to do this. He's not going to do that. He hasn't thrown a normal-sized football. I'm like, that bearded, happy motherfucker is going to prove all y'all wrong. And he did. Fair enough. So I, I take it you're on board with his pick for Andrew Luck, Eric? You damn straight I am. Jason? I'm going to say my faith in the New York Giants is the biggest. No, I'm going to go with Andrew Luck as well. 
Yeah, I don't think there's any question here with the performance of not only the fact that he played as well as he did in his return, but the fact that he led Indianapolis to such a dominating win on the final Sunday night game of the season in order to get that last wild card spot. It has to be Andrew Luck because nobody, well, maybe Eric, had the Indianapolis Colts as a playoff team this year. Uh-huh. And, and welcome back, Andrew Luck, and making my life miserable all over again the next six or seven years. Not, I can not see warm. Not only did the Colts make the playoffs, they then went to Houston and beat the Texans as well. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk. Let's talk rookie of the year here. The two big. This is a two horse race, I think, and. I know there's a couple of homers on this panel that'll probably agree with what the NFL awards went with. So I'm going to save them for last. Eric, do you think the NFL awards got it right by giving it to Saquon Barkley over Baker Mayfield? As much as I want to, and as much as like seeing the result, I'm going to have to say no, because Baker Mayfield's impact for the Browns and getting them to where they were, getting them their first win in a dog's age, getting them oh so close to 500 after all the crap that they've had to deal with the past three years, and setting the rookie record in touchdown passes for 27 to boot. Yeah, I think with Saquon Barkley having as fantastic of a season as he did, it didn't change too much of the Giants' fortunes like Mayfield did in the city by the lake. So, yeah, I got to go with Baker Mayfield on this one. All right. I'm going to go next year just because I know you guys are going to sing the praises of Saquon Barkley. Uh, You may be wrong, actually. I will say that long-term, I think Mayfield means more to Cleveland than Barkley does to the Giants because the Giants are going to have to find a franchise quarterback to line up with Saquon Barkley because it became crystal clear throughout the vast majority of this calendar year that Eli's best days are behind him. That being said, I do feel like Saquon Barkley was the better of the season-long performers of the two teams. Therefore, I am going to give my rookie of the year to Saquon Barkley. Jason? Yeah, I'm, I'm total homerism. Uh, Saquon... Outshine Mayfield, uh, not to disparage anything that Mayfield done. I just, and it's not due to homerism. Why I'm p- taking Saquon is, I'll be, I'll go on record and be one of the people that was really iffy when we took Barkley at number two. I even told me, you know, me and you even talked about it, Harry, because of you being a Penn State fan. I was getting the information from you to see how special he was. This kid is a special player. He's He can run. He can catch. He can go between the tackles. He can go, go out in the slot. I mean, once we get everything lined out, he's going to be one of the best draft picks that Giants ever had behind Eli Manning. I believe the word that I used to describe him when we did our draft preview last year was generational. He is one of those once mm-hmm. in a generation type players. Mm-hmm. The only way that he is going to be able to live up to that hype, though, is if you guys are able to write the ship of your front office and surround him with the pieces that he needs to be surrounded by 
a franchise quarterback, and by the sounds of things with OBJ possibly wanting out, a wide receiver to help take some pressure off of the running game. Absolutely. Uh, OBJ ain't going nowhere. He signed a contract. Gettleman's already said that he ain't going nowhere. We're going to draft a – we're going to end up with a a replacement for Eli this year, either free agency trade or draft. Most we're of going the to mock, know. Uh, real quick, most of the mock drafts that I've seen have you guys taken Haskins at six. That that's what I'm seeing too, but like I said, I mean there's there's rumblings that we pull a trade off for Carr in Oakland. I'd be fine with that. I, I think I think that would not be a bad bad route to go because it would save money. I wouldn't give a first for him by no means, but maybe package a fourth and eighth. I'd be totally fine with. There's seven rounds. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was yeah. just going to say. <laughs> well, give him a... Well, hold on, hold on. Rounds to seven back in the 90s? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Who's in the front office with Oakland? <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. probably convinced John Gruden to take an eighth. <laughs> exactly. You got you guys cut me off before I can explain that. Fair enough. Y'all, try, y'all trying to y'all trying to talk about me? You know, give me time to explain the joke. Quit cutting my punchline off. Don't well, you know the TV trope? You never explain the joke. All right, Brandon. You said our, your response might surprise us. Um, is this, are we just talking offensive rookie of the year, or are we talking overall? Oh, overall rookie. Are you going with Darius Leonard? I am. See, I thought he was just going offensively. No, rookie of the year, period, because of the fact that we have seven categories for the NFL, so doing offensive and defensive would have been more time-consuming. Because... While, yes, both Baker Mayfield and Saquon Barkley had amazing seasons, if we are going based on who helped their team the most, you have to go with Darius Leonard because he was a big catalyst on that defense. And without him, I don't know if they would have been in Houston in the, in the divisional round or in the wildcard round, rather. It's a fair assessment. Yeah, I, I can't make any real arguments against that because, yeah, that Texans offense. Oh Lord, why did they win the division to begin with? <laughs> Jason, is this cause? Jason, is this cause for you to consider knowing now that it's? Oh yeah, I would, I would, I would switch over to Leonard. Uh, going overall rookie, yeah, I would. I would definitely switch over because as much as I am the homer, um, he is, he changed that, that defense tremendously. I mean, he came in and he's a very humble individual as well. Um, not things that I'm used to being a Giants fan, humble <laughs> individuals. Yeah. Um, but, we're not used to that in New York period. Yeah. I mean, we're, we, we kind of get, like the really brash, loudmouth 
people. But I think I think he's an exceptional player. I think he's going to have a very bright NFL future. And he was a key component to the Colts being able to do what they did this year. I'm going to stand by Saquon Barkley for my pick because I think that Barkley, like I said, is going to be a generational player, and we saw flashes of it here, even with the Giants being a subpar team. I'd like to give an honorable mention to Josh Allen, who also showed flashes of brilliance in Buffalo. Homerism. You're you're doubling up on the homerism today, aren't you? Well, I mean, I figure if you're going to set the table, I might as well eat at it. Hey, I'm. I was going to say you're trying to you're trying to one up me on this homerism stuff. (laughs) If I had a half decent homerism to talk about, I would one up the both of you. But no. uh, As far as Allen goes, just real quick. uh, As far as Allen goes, no, he's not really in contention for my rookie of the year. But that being said, he is starting to change. He is starting to change some minds in Buffalo, which is something that I said when we did our draft preview last year. I very specifically stated on the draft preview, I want Josh Allen. Because of him playing in Wyoming, he can handle the wins in Buffalo. I was, I, was pulling for, I was pulling for the Giants to draft him in the second. Mm-hmm. I was, If you remember, I was big on Josh Allen. When I talked about him, I mean, I I love I love his attitude too. He he's not so brash that he's got that swagger, but he plays with a chip on his shoulder, and I like that. My concern for Allen next year is going to be finding him an offensive line, and apparently we took the first step in that in this offseason already because it came out that the Bills have agreed to a free agent contract with an offensive tackle for a three year deal to help protect Allen. So. Uh, whoever is going to get hurt walking to their car, walking to their car from the Trader Joe's, and tearing ACL, you you got about the same luck as as the Giants do when it comes to offensive line. <laughs> There's a Trader Joe's in Buffalo. I thought it was just I, beer places. I, I just figured that there's uh, beer and porn shops. If this, if the activities at the stadium are any indication, beer and porn shops. Mm-hmm. My kind of town. If it and wings. All the time. Oh, you, you do got to love yourself some chicken. I will say that much. I mean, it is the home of the buffalo wings. Like I said, my kind of town if it wasn't so damn cold all the time. Mm-hmm. Jason. That's me. Who was your biggest surprise this year? My biggest surprise was the kicker in a Kansas City. No, I not, don't mean the field goal kicker. I mean the running back. Um, Rough. No, I mean, I mean honestly, I'm I'm going to ride this gravy train and eat crow as much as a, much as possible this episode. My biggest surprise was Mahomes. Uh, I again, I expected him to be one of the biggest busts in the NFL this year, and he put in an MVP performance. I can't deny that. I mean, nobody, I I mean, Harry, you have to agree, me nor you gave him any credit. We we was waiting for the the moment the Bus Roberts balls about it. The opportunity never came. So, yeah, I mean, he's my biggest surprise. Um. I'll go ahead and eat crow here as well. Yeah, I don't think there's any way you can't pick Patrick Mahomes here. 
And the reason I say it, and we talked about this at the uh, at the midway review as well that we did. Um, I said that this guy was going to be a bottom 15 in the league quarterback. I said that this guy was going to be somebody who was going to be way over his head because he underperformed at Texas Tech as well. I said that this kid was going to have a style of football that would have him running all over the field and end up getting himself hurt and taken off of the field on a stretcher at some point this season. I was completely wrong. Do I think that he's going to be able to maintain this level of production? No. But if he can maintain any semblance of this level of production, he'll be a star quarterback in this league for a decade to come. Eric? Yeah, the, now this is going to turn everybody's eyes. It's like, well, Cliff Kingsbury could hardly do crap with the Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech. And now what is he going to do with the Cardinals? Well, yeah, now, now he gets to ruin Josh Rosen instead. Oh, God. <laughs> My biggest surprise. Wait, are you are you picking something outside of the Chiefs? Yes. Then then let me go next, since uh, so you can finish it off with something different. Okay. Um, I'm gonna kind of elaborate on what you guys both have been saying about Mahomes and say the Chiefs just in general. Um, I mean the fact that they were able to take a team that I think a lot of us at the most optimistic outside of one Robert Taylor would have said this team might have been an 8-8 or 9-6 team, especially with a very young quarterback at the helm. Um, They went above and beyond this year, uh, took the Patriots to their limit, um, and almost made a Super Bowl. So, you know, the Chiefs Jets in general have been the biggest surprise this season. I will say that I went on the record predicted them as a 9-7 and team before the season started. Mm-hmm. I told I told Robert to his face in the chat that I said that you guys are a 9-7 and team this year. <laughs> then again, I also had Denver making the playoffs, so what do I know? <laughs> oh, I think I, I, think I did as I, well. Oh, yeah, I, I took the Chargers. You had the Chargers winning the division, and I think you had a. Uh, I think you may have had Denver finishing second as well, Jason. Yeah, I think I did. Am I the only one that didn't have Denver as part of that mix? I think I did uh, as well. I'm almost certain I said Chargers, Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders when the season started. I'm pretty sure I had Chargers, then Broncos, Raiders when it started. But eh, anyways. I mean, All right, Eric. Who's your? Uh, oh wait, go ahead, Brandon. No, no, I'm done. All right, All right, Eric. Who's your biggest surprise of the season? Even though I was very high on him when he was drafted, I thought this is going to take be a guy that not going to be ready right away and is going to take some molding. I still think that's true, but not as much as I've seen now that I've seen him in action. Lamar Jackson, yes, his style of play and how they're setting up that offense is not sustainable long-term. But to come in for Joe Flacco, do what he did, get that team, which just about on the fringe, and get them to the playoffs, I did not see that coming. Not at all. All right, I'm going to go first on disappointment here. 
And to me, the biggest disappointment of the season was the Denver Broncos. I felt like this was a playoff team. I felt that this was a wild card team that could have given the Chargers a run for their money in the AFC West. And instead, they ended up being a sub-500 team with a quarterback situation that is so far out of hand now that they are taking the old Baltimore Ravens quarterback, Joe Flacco, in to be their potential new starter after apparently having given up on the Case Keenum experiment. And I, I, I figured everything went well for Case Keenum in Minnesota, but I said, you may not get the Minnesota Case Keenum. You're going to get closer to the Case Keenum you saw with the Houston Texans. If it went wrong. <laughs> Jason, who's your biggest disappointment? Uh, my biggest disappointment is Le'Veon Bell. <sighs> Just... Uh... I don't know where to begin with this. Uh, I understand his stance of wanting to be paid, but I'm also a proponent of you're under contract, you play. Um, even though you might not like the offer, you play to get the better offer. You, it's what's the the Dion thing? Dress good. Pay good. Yeah, just pay me. Uh, that's all I'm worried about. If you wanted out of Pittsburgh, you could have went, went about it a different way. You could have showed up, took your took your um, franchise tag and turned it into something, something great. And uh, with that team, you could even made a excuse me, could even made a a deeper playoff run. And not have to be a Browns fan for a night to try to get you into the playoffs. If you okay. look good, you feel good. If you feel good, you play good. If you play good, you get paid good. Can 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 I go next? No. No. <laughs> go ahead, Brandon. Um, I'm actually not gonna use him as my biggest disappointment because I'll talk about him more in my because I have him as my new story um, of the year. Well, similar, but yes, likewise. But um, let me just say real quick because this has to go with the disappointing uh, disappointment part of it. He is my honorable mention, and screw you, Le'Veon Bell. I am never going to pick you ever again in fantasy football. You are shunned, shunned, shame, shame, shame. What's what's the old fest line? Good day. Yes, good day. I said good day. With that being said, my real disappointment of the year is the is the Forty ers Granted, it wasn't completely their fault. Injuries plagued them all season. But this team came in, you were thinking, even if they didn't necessarily knock the Rams off their pedestal in the West, they were going to make it a, they were going to be a legitimate threat. They were not. At least Garoppolo, that reminds me. I wonder if Garoppolo, since he was hurt, did he make it out to AVNs this year? Eh, that would have been a good story. I wonder I wonder if he still has the same porn star girlfriend. That's why I say, did he make it out to AVNs this year? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. 
Got to sneak one of those in before the season's up. All right, Eric, what's your biggest uh, disappointment on the season? I'm going to expand past Le'Veon Bell, and I'm going to say the Steelers in general because the whole thing between Big Ben and Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown wanting out, Le'Veon Bell situation, this in my lifetime, and I've been around a decent bit, not as long as Jason, but still. I'm 40. I'm a man. (laughs) This is the most un-Steeler-like season I have ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because they didn't make the playoffs and they underperformed in that fashion, but I've never seen a Steelers team this loud where a lot of stuff comes out and you're getting to the point to where you're borderline dysfunctional. Now, that could be because of the changes and everything in the front office, but it's like, for this team, quiet, blue collar, everything buttoned up. And for all of that to explode the way that it did all throughout the season, it's like, what happened? What led us to this? I was extremely disappointed. Well, well, let me ask a quick question because I think everyone's gone, right? We're going into news story next? Yes. So let me segue into this as my as the first news story, which is the Steelers and, and, and their and their just complete dysfunction. Quick question, because I'm not a hundred percent sure. Is this the first full season without Art Rooney? No. Yes. Yeah it is. I, I think I think he passed late last year, didn't he? Yeah, didn't he pass in uh seventy so then Oh, then I guess this would be technically the first season that Dan Rooney was in charge of the team. Exactly. This is the first year he's been completely in control. That's not a good omen. So, yeah. The Steelers are not the Steelers of old anymore. This may be the beginning of the end of the Steelers. Granted, they haven't had a dynasty in a long time in that sense. But this is the beginning of the end of the old Steelers. Yeah, this is the beginning of the end of the Steeler culture. Exactly. And it's not a good omen. Well, kind of to touch on what Eric said there, Eric picked uh, Eric picked the Steelers as their biggest as his biggest disappointment. They're my biggest news story. Mm-hmm. The I fact agree. that Pittsburgh, uh, living in the area that I live in over here, and I'm in uh, Northeast Ohio, which is right near the border of Pennsylvania. I'm like a 15 minute drive from the PA border, so we get a lot of Steelers coverage in here. And the infighting that didn't make the national airwaves compared to what even did is remarkable. You have these players taking shots at each other online. You have these players taking shots at each other in the local papers. You have these players. Big Ben's comments on his on his radio show that ended up making national headlines. Le'Veon deciding to wuss out and not play at all this year. Now, granted, with what happened to Earl Thomas, you can kind of understand where Le'Veon's coming from. Doesn't make it excusable, in my opinion. As mm-hmm. Jason said, if you have a contract, you play your contract. With that being said, though, this is a Pittsburgh Steelers franchise now that is in complete and total disarray. This is what a lot of people, this is what a lot of people 
have been hoping would happen to the New England Patriots franchise. And instead, it has happened in Pittsburgh as they have completely imploded from the inside, much the same way that the that fans thought that the Belichick, Brady, and Gronkowski situation was going to in, Los, in on New England. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Jason, uh, biggest news story of the year? I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt. I mean... Hard to argue. The, yeah. up there. The, the fact that, you know, a running back turned kicker turned out of the NFL, turned signed with the Browns. I mean, if he plays, does the Chiefs go deeper in the playoffs? I, I mean, Williams done great, but Hunt has... More athletically gifted, I'll say. So, I mean, and the fact that it brings to light the culture of the NFL and how things are handled and how things are, how, how it happens way too often. Uh, I do not condone violence. But, for one, I have a real big issue with it happened, it got, it tried to get swept under the rug. The girl found out who he was. She wanted a payday. Magically, this stuff comes up mid-season. Twelve weeks into the season. I think it was week 12 when, mm-hmm. it, it, when it dropped. So... Yeah, Patriots. I, I mean, I... Actually, when he's done, I, I have a question to ask about that. But continue, Jason. I mean, it was just a real ironic about the timing of when the when the the transgression happened until it became national news coverage and addressed by the NFL. So I mean, I think that I think if it would have been handled earlier, when it immediately happened, I don't think it would have been the the news story that it actually turned out to be. It still would have been. I just don't think it would have been the football news story like it was. Well, okay, so you mentioned the Patriots thing there, Brandon. The big rumor being that it was Belichick and friends behind the leak of the video here. With Kareem Hunt signing with Cleveland, what are the odds that the Browns and and, uh, John Dorsey are the ones behind the video being dropped? I mean, that is definitely a possibility. I think um, it was a local Cleveland video, so it would make, uh, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it happened up at a casino in Cleveland. I mean, that is definitely a possibility as well, but, I mean, just, I just think that, look at what happened in the playoff game against the Patriots. I think the Patriots were legitimately scared of the Chiefs, which, you know, as we saw in the playoff game, they should have been, and I think without Hunt, I think the Chiefs would have had a much better chance and, pro- and potentially could have won that game. I think you mean I, I think it was Gruden. It, honestly, I, I would believe it was New England more. Though, Browns and John Dorsey thing is logical, and I could see where you could make those connections, but then, that's pretty low to go, only to go ahead and turn around and sign him for yourself. Well, that might have been the point the whole time is to release the video in order to force the Chiefs to release him and then be able to pick him up on the cheap. That's 
the exact way that it was phrased in the article that I read, that it was the reason that people are thinking that the Browns may have been behind this is because of the fact that Dorsey knows what Hunt is capable of, given the fact that he drafted him and he wanted an opportunity to pick him up without having to pay top dollar for him. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to beat a dead horse. Did he get signed as a running back or a kicker? The views and opinions of Jason Teasley do not necessarily reflect their It's, it's a good question to ask. It's I mean, to make that I mean, if if I mean, if Chicago would have signed him, they would have won a playoff game. He was a better kicker than Parky this year. <laughs> Poor Cody. That was cheapy, but that one was funny. That what? <laughs> Poor Cody. Not that Cody Parky will ever listen to this podcast, but if it does, congratulations on winning that game of three bar, Cody. <laughs> it took you long enough. <laughs> it picked the least opportune time of the year to do it. All right, Eric, wrap us up. Uh, my news story was really the Patriots because even though I know they started slow, even though I recovered, and even though I've seen a thousand million bajillion Tom Brady as Thanos themes or as memes on the internet since then. I thought it was more significant, even with the Steelers, the fact that they were finally starting to show cracks. The whole thing with Gronkowski, will he not? Will he retire? This and that. Brady, Tom versus time. And the whole Brady-Belichick-Craft triangle post-Garoppolo and then Julian Edelman. It's just, this was a little bit loud. There was a little bit of noise from the Patriots. And yeah, I thought, throughout chunks of the season, a teeny bit vulnerable, but here they are, Super Bowl win. Right. Six Let me interrupt you real quick. Eric, I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Mm-hmm. It is officially February 14th, and I would like to wish our very own Harry Brothers a happy birthday. Thank you very oh, much, yes. sir. I appreciate it. Happy birthday! Yay! <laughs> For those wondering, we record this show usually approximately about 10 o'clock at night. We got a little bit of a late start tonight, so with the hour and a half runtime, it had fled over from February 13th into the 14th, yes. Thank you very much. Huzzah! And for the rest of us, either happy Valentine's Day or happy Singles Awareness Day. <laughs> happy Masturbation Day. <laughs> I'm married, uh, so it goes either way. I would also state for the record that I am also a fan of March 14th. We won't discuss specifically why, family show, but I'm a fan of March 14th <laughs> as well. That one I'm was have to square that one up. No, I can tell you. <laughs> tell him off air, because family show. Oh, <laughs> Continue. I can finally be able to celebrate it this year. <laughs> Continue your thought, Eric. But it's just that even though with how it ended, this was the year where everyone thought, and again, myself included, cracks in the real dynasty. Finally, after nearly two decades, oh, this was the beginning of the end. This was the time where they were more beatable than ever. But again, typical slow start leading to the finish. Big Dick Nick Foles comes up, gives the page, helps give the Patriots a first round bye. The rest is history. 
You guys honestly want to know what I think here? I think the time that we actually write off the Patriots dynasty is the day that Brady announces his retirement from the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, I think it's more so the day that Belichick announces his retirement because I have a feeling that considering how it's happened with wide receivers, granted quarterbacks are a lot harder, but I have a feeling that Belichick would figure out some way, and I mean we've even seen it before with other quarterbacks, that Belichick would find a way to put in some other quarterback into that spot and still be successful. Well, didn't they just draft a quarterback last year late, in like the fourth or fifth round? Yeah, I believe so. I'm looking at the. I'm going to look up the depth chart real quick here, but I'm like pretty sure that they did. Uh, just the reason I say with Brady though is Brady is the face of that franchise. Rather, we want to, people will say that it's Belichick, and he is the brains behind the operation. But the face of the franchise is Brady, oh, and absolutely. where Brady goes, that team follows. It absolutely sucks being stuck in a division with them. Because you know they're going to be good. The question isn't at this point is, are they better than the other teams in the AFC East? The question at this point is, how much better are they than the other teams in the AFC East on a given year-to-year basis? Well, think about it like this. If you, in the Tom Brady era, and that's what this is right now after all this time, if you take out the AFC East teams, their games against the Patriots, over that span, you're roughly looking at about 500 across the board. Which tells me that he feasts on the East. Mm-hmm. The AFC, not the NFC East. No, yeah. not by a long shot. Yeah, he's the beast of the East. And then the NFC East is like, yeah, about that. Hello. <laughs> he's the least of the NFC East. Yep. Hold on. Breaking news. I just got tagged in a memory from Steven. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry? I'll leave it at that. The, the oh, chair <laughs> This should be interesting. <laughs> I think I know what it is. Maybe uh, it it was it was funny because you could tell I was being a smartass in it, but I don't see it, so I'm a little disappointed. I haven't posted it yet. Oh, so you it's a memory that popped up and you're on this day. Okay. Never mind then. No, no. Steve Steven shared it and um Isn't this like a right around the first anniversary, give or take? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, he did. He did the Super Bowl preview episode last yeah. year, and that was we took the week of my birthday off last year. We did. Uh, we did the uh, wrap up show the week after. Oh yeah, just, because the because it would have fallen on your birthday last year. Yeah, you could tell I'm being a smart ass. <laughs> wow. All right, moving on. Um <laughs> Eric, 
I, I don't know how to recover from that, but I have to in order to put a tidy little bow on this. Eric, your overall thoughts on football in 2018-19, slash the 2018-19 college and NFL seasons. The NFL season in particular, it started out weird as all hell, but it, 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 it ended pretty normally. And again, offensive seasons end in defensive games. As far as college, well, it just set up what's going to continue and wrap up the best of five. Brandon, your thoughts on football in 2018-19? Yeah, like, pretty much what Eric said. Um, NFL started off pretty wonky and pretty crazy, but then ended as, uh, you know, as the NFL season ends uh, a lot of times uh, for us, and um, college is just college. Jason? I have no words to describe the NFL season or college football season, except the fact that um, we had we've accomplished a, another glorious season together without missing a week. Might I add, we had everybody here every single week this year. <laughs> granted, uh, granted, some weeks were some weeks were delayed, but. We made it through, unscathed. We actually did miss one week this season. No, we didn't. Yes, we did. When? Um, I'd have to go back and specifically check. I want to say it was in October because I was very badly sick. Yeah, I remember that. No, I mean, we we never missed this. Oh, uh, no. When when we had a recording, all four of us were here for all of the shows. Yes. But we actually did sit out one of the weeks of the season because we did our predictions inside of the group chat, and then I added them to the overall predictions. Yes. Okay. Let's go ahead and uh, put a tidy little bow on this. As far as college football goes for 2018 and 19, I think the biggest thing that you're going to notice about college football from this year going into next year is that the era of the quarterback is upon us in college football. It doesn't matter how good you are defensively. It doesn't matter how good you are with a backfield. It doesn't matter how good you are with a receiver crew or a line crew. If you have a strong quarterback, you're probably going to do very well. Look at the steps that Notre Dame took when they changed quarterbacks. Look at what Shea Patterson meant to Michigan. Look at what Dan Mullen coming in to help Felipe Franks did in Florida. Look at all of the other examples. Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. Tua Tagovailoa at Alabama taking over for Jalen Hurts. And Kosey and Malik Rozier. The error of the quarterback is upon us in college football. In the NFL, we, despite the fact that we had a much higher scoring season this year than we've had in previous years, the old adage once again remains true. Offense sells tickets, defense wins championships. The lowest scoring Super Bowl of all time. If you can get your defense right, you can get your team right. The Patriots proved that at the most opportune times, holding the Rams to a tie for Super Bowl low three points in the big game Sunday, making Sean McVay look completely out of his element. They as better far- really have thanked Brian Hoyer for that one. Because wasn't Hoyer the backup in Los Angeles last year? 
Well, not so much that he was the backup in Los Angeles. He was the backup, but he sat and watched all the Rams from Hard Knocks and from their Amazon series and pretty much every bit of available film and stuff they had when they were exposed on TV. So he was able to get their play calls, signaling and everything down. So when it came for preparation for the Super Bowl, he was on the scout team. The defense said he helped them tremendously. They were able to guess 90% of the time, Jared Goff's audibles of what they were going to do. So basically they were able to Tony Romo the Rams. Correct. That checks out. Speaking of which, can I add that as another one of my big takeaways of the year? Somebody get Tony Romo a defensive coordinator job? <laughs> In CBS, for God's sake, don't put the reins back on when you've taken them off. <laughs> mm-hmm. Let Tony be Tony. Most of us actually enjoy it. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and to our Dallas Cowboy friends, how did it feel seeing Tony in a Super Bowl? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Eat that one, Sean. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, he's got Dak Prescott talking about Tom Brady's wife, so there's that. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, let's go ahead and put a tidy little bow on the season in general for the group here. We are now, we are now, we are now, we are now approximately 35, 40 episodes into the run of the kickoff here. Once again, I stand by what I said at the end of the last season. Some of the most fun I have on a weekly basis is getting around to getting together to talk football with you guys. I can't wait to see where the 2019-2020 season is going to take us. I'm sure even to even more ridiculous turf, and I'm going to have to yell family show more often than not. <laughs> Especially because it'll be potentially year-round, and we get to explore what I do on my birthday. Oh, that's God. the other thing that I do wanted to do want to mention here. If the AAF continues at the pace it is continuing in, when the XFL launches in 2020, there is serious discussion going around towards not having to say goodbye to you guys, but turning the kickoff into a year-round production. We'll see what happens. Never say never. I won't say yes now, but I'm definitely not saying no. For the last time this season, for Brandon Biskibing, Eric Watkins, and Jason Teasley, I'm Harry Broadhurst, thanking you for listening to The Kickoff here on the W2M Network, online at w2mnet.com, and in all your favorite podcast listening places, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Podbean, CastBox. I hear we're even on Spotify these days, even though Glacier's a dick. <laughs> Whatever. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys in April with more NFL coverage and in March with our preview of the NCAA tournament here on the kickoff on the W2M Network.